On today's podcast, Zach and I talk common financial mistakes that people make. And this one seems really relevant at this point in the year because a lot of people are trying to set their objectives, their goals, their resolutions for the 2020 calendar year. Often, the best way to do that and make sure you're going to be a winner this year is to actually look back and go, what are the mistakes that I've made and what other people have made in the past? So we hope you enjoy the show. Everything we talk about on today's podcast is general advice only because we don't know your individual personal situation. Before you act on anything we've spoken about, you should chat to your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, feel free to reach out to us. Now, on to today's show. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Wealth Collective Podcast. It's Pete Pennycott here. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Zach Masters. Hey, Pete. How are you going? Feeling really good. So, yeah. Melbourne summer is always a difficult one. It's up and down, but I am the the tan is coming back and getting a little bit of a color in my skin, or so I've been told. So, um, yeah, feeling pretty good about things. And we're still early in the year as well, so I don't know how you're going. If you set yourself some New Year's resolutions, uh, yeah, I've set a, a couple. Um, attend, and we're going to speak about a bit about them today. But mine are a lot around the savings goals and different things like that. Um, so potentially buying a property this year and things like that. So um, I think today's episode, well, I don't want to jump ahead and talk about it too early, but it'll probably be um, quite helpful for a lot of people out there that are setting financial New Year's resolutions. Yeah, I think so. And it applies to all aspects of life, but we will take the financial uh, side of things. And I know for me personally, it's, yeah, I'm going to even give a crack of uh, getting through February, uh, the rest of the month with no alcohol. So. Whew. Uh, what it's a leap year this year too, so oh, you got what? an extra day. Oh no! Oh gosh! <laughs> no one told me that. Ah, <laughs> oh, so they <laughs> that's going to be a really challenge. So we'll uh, we'll keep everyone posted with how I'm progressing for the rest of the month. So, um, but on to today. So um, often when you're sort of setting yourself goals, you need to be reflecting back as well and having a think about well, what did I do last year in the past that perhaps I wasn't so happy with? It didn't get me the the outcomes that I was hoping for. Because um, you need to change something. If you just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Definition of insanity. The actual definition of dis- insanity. I don't know. Webster's Dictionary, 2019. <laughs> no updated 2020 version just yet. Um, <laughs> but we might kick it off. So we might talk about the f- top financial, well, not even the top, the most common financial mistakes that we see that have an impact on people's financial goals. Uh, I might kick us off, well, you you can kick us off with number one, Zach. Yeah, so the first one would be not having a clear plan or not having clear goals. Um, so this is one we see quite a bit that people will come in and go, oh, I want to be financially successful, but they don't necessarily have a clear goal in mind. And without a clear goal, it's hard to um, get to where you want want to be. So you don't know um, you know, how, how to measure your success along the way or see where you're going. And without the goal, it's hard to stick to a plan because you don't realize um, what the end point is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I 100% agree with that. And it's one of those things where that's why we could get into financial planning because we know that if you set clear, vivid sort of objectives and you can make them exciting enough that you're happy to sacrifice things along the way and make trade-offs because you can't have everything. You know, mm. you, you can't win touch a lot and go, oh yeah, I've got all this money and I haven't had to work and I've spent you know, bought, spent my money frivolously. Um, yeah, you need to make trade-offs and you need to make that really appealing. So um, those visualization techniques, some people use like a, a vision board as part of that as well. Uh, and there's digital tools to do this. Like I know Pinterest is a, a common one that we're seeing more and more people engage with and just putting those things that are actually important to you because some of them aren't financial, but it might be a, a type of lifestyle you want in the future that means, I don't know, I want to retire early. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that means you need to make some trade-offs in the short term be- to actually make that happen. So, um, I know I people that have got on the back of their door, like saying, you've got to print out of their budget or something like that. So before they leave, they've got a visual reminder there. Yeah. Going like, this is the reason why. Like, Don't go out and spend a fortune. Today, you know, you've got to stick to this and um, all that type of thing. So the vision board and different things like that are quite um, popular. Yeah. And even just like actually taking the time to think about it. So I know... Um, yeah, the greatest foot, you know, greatest sporting team of all time, Hawthorne Football Club, when they were going on their massive three-peat um, <laughs> there and should have been a four-peat. Really visualization, mindfulness techniques, just to reflect on and go, just make it a reality. So the more you think about it, you sort of bring it into being, but you've got to take some action as well. Yeah, and um, make sure you're checking in at different points too to see how you are going um, in relation to the plan you set out initially. So, yeah. And I think financial goals would be a good one Monthly for a lot of people is a little bit cumbersome and a little mm. bit over the top in the sense of if you're going from nothing to monthly check-ins, it can be a bit um, disheartening sometimes because there's not a lot happening. Mm. Uh, so I think like, at a minimum, quarterly check-ins um, or if you really, really have to, six monthly check-ins uh, to actually sort of track your progress to go, all right, I've got some long-term goals, break them down into little chunks so you can measure how you're tracking. So definitely, it's a good one. Number two. What do you yes. got for us? Uh, so lifestyle creep is a common mistake that we see. So as your um, income rises, you, you know you might get promotions at work um, and things like that. Then your lifestyle creeps up to match that, and therefore you're not saving as much as what you could potentially be saving. So you see that um, we often see that a lot of people and um, what people might consider to be high incomes, um, not necessarily savings, because their lifestyle is creeping along. Um, with their added income. Yeah, it's, and it's all relative. Like, <clears throat> If your expenses keep rising in tandem with your earnings, you're never going to get ahead because you're always going to have that same proportion sort of like leaking out of your sort of your, your family sort of household budget. Um, mm. So you need to take control of and go, what's actually important? And this goes back to why the, the plan, the goals, the sort of detailing what's important to you, like in point one, is so important because... You know, if, if you're not making sure of like what is actually important to you and sort of clarifying that, you'll just spend on things that won't actually matter and you'll think they're making you happy in the short term. And I'm thinking about like depreciating assets like motor vehicles. So mm. for some people, that's a passion and that's okay. So you might go, oh, I love my cars. Like I get joy, enjoyment out of it by driving it around on the weekends. Um, it might be a hobby of yours to fix up cars or it might be a boat. Like these are things, sometimes these depreciating assets make sense. Yeah. But for a lot of people, they might just go, oh, I can borrow more. So I can do some salary packaging. I'm going to drive a Mercedes instead of a Hyundai, for yeah, example. Just purely for the sake that you can afford it. Yeah. And it's and it's not necessarily not making any happier. It's you, all you needed it was to get you from A to B. Um, and when you can actually reflect on that and have a think of saying, okay, well, something like retiring early or sort of going business class or premium economy on my holiday is actually more important to me than a motor vehicle you can make better decisions you're feeling better about it um and also you're spending on the right things yeah definitely um we are and that's what i said at the start we often see that your uh, people are coming in and as their income's growing they're spending more and more um and you need to think about what were you spending before and do you, do you actually need to make those changes or can you start banking that money away for future you, if that's um, one of yeah. the goals you might have had in mind that's is to retire like, earlier or different things like that, you've got to decide what's more important. Mm. And it's things like better clothes, bigger house, 
like better car. It's all those sort of um, consumable items that we tend to spend on. So I think if you can rein that in, and the way to, the best way to do that is create a plan where you're say you're paying yourself first. So you're directing money into your retirement plan, your long term savings plan, your investment portfolio, yep. and paying down debt. And you're doing that all first, and then just spend what le- what's left. And then you have a savings first it's mentality. Very, very, very hard to fail if you are paying yourself first and saving first before you actually start spending. So and that's what I like to do is um, when I get paid, then the money flies out straight away, and then you're left whatever's left over is you know your um, lifestyle spending um, for those that fortnight or forever, how often you get paid. But that tends to work well for me because it's gone out of my account. Love I've it. even had the chance to look at it. Yeah, I love it. And if people can implement that, that's that's a that's a gold one. So make sure you're sort of paying attention. Um, number three, no plan B. It tends to be younger people are absolutely notoriously guilty of this, but it's, yep. it applies to all demographics as well. Um, it's and this is all about what happens if things go wrong. Uh, if everything goes along fine and. You know, you're healthy, you're happy, you've got, you're in the the job you thought you were going to get. You get the pay rise. That's all fine, and everything like life goes on that straight track. So even if you've got a plan, you're just cruising along, you're hitting everything. You need to have some level of a a plan B, be it to plan for things like your health. What if you lose your health, or what if a family member needs support, or might be things like like we've just recently gone through um, and probably continuing to go through like bushfires. Like what if you have a natural disaster that impacts you or floods? Uh, or what if you lose your job? So mm. all these sort of things are not things that necessarily are in your... They're not your goals or objectives. Yeah, well, they're not something that you're necessarily thinking about all the time because it's um, a well, negative... Well, hopefully you're not or... thinking about it all the time because it could be quite depressing. <laughs> so Yeah, but it is something that you need to plan for. So we spoke about this in a previous episode about planning for the unexpected. Um, and it's it's really important because something like um, one of the things that you spoke about has the potential to financially ruin a lot of people. Yeah, and I think the, the common things here would be keeping a cash reserve. So making sure you've got at least three to six months worth of your living expenses banked in an asset like a high interest saver or an offset account or a turn deposit. Probably not a t- all in a turn deposit because you won't get access to it quickly. But something that's not going to drop in value, not going to be subject to market um, volatility that you know you can call upon you know, for things that come up because life will happen. So when you say the unexpected, mm. the unexpected should actually be the expected because there's not a lot of us that skate through life and nothing uh, bad happens at any point. So yeah. um, that's it. And then the other ones like personal insurances. So you're our resident personal insurance guru. but So you know, people should be putting a personal insurance plan. And I've even heard it recently called a human insurance plan. Human insurance plan. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't heard that one. Shout out to Money Maven uh, podcast, <laughs> Andy Hart. That was, I thought that was a great term. I, yeah. I hadn't actually come across that until last week. So, um, But yeah, because we insure things like cars. And that's another part of insurance, your general insurance, yeah. your life insurance, your estate plan. Yeah, exactly. So all that type of thing, especially um, if you're working, you've got to think about um, picturing a scenario where you mightn't be able to work due to illness or injury. And then suddenly your lifestyle drops by the wayside. Things like paying off the mortgage and all um, those type of things become quite hard to do. Um, and then like in um, you know really hard scenarios, you'll see some people potentially accessing super um, due to financial hardship and then they're robbing their future selves of potentially retiring earlier and um, all these different types of things. Whereas if you have personal insurance or human insurance in place, um, then at least you've got the ability to continue on paying those those um, 
non-negotiables like the mortgage and not having to access um, things like your super or potentially going on to Centrelink and, yeah. and things like that. <clears throat> and like I think yeah, if you need your income to survive, income protection is one of those common ones mm. and it's easy to visualise what that means. So, you know, if you don't have income protection, your income's 100%. And if you nothing happens, you get to keep a whole 100%. If you take income protection out, it might cost you 2% of your salary. So, mm. you go, all right, my best possible scenario now is 98% of what I could have earned. But now my worst case, instead of it being zero, going from 100 to zero, is now 75%. Yeah. Um, so that's a big, you know, that's a big, and hopefully people can wrap their head around that and go, you know, it's an investment as part of your financial plan. It is a cost, but it's it's a cost of sort of running a sort of a, um, you know, well-structured financial plan. Mm. Yeah, exactly. What do we got next? So number four. Yeah, number four is delaying. So putting things off. So I know this is one that you were quite passionate about. So do you want to run us through what you mean by this one? Yeah, I think too often people delay making financial decisions, defer them, hold off. Um, well, it stresses a lot of people out. Um finances so then they tend to just continue to put it off um, further life and further. is stressful but we need to take this take the bull by the horns and actually take proactive action and take it sooner rather than later because what i find is um, humans have a tendency for waiting for the perfect time um and i'll share a story about where i've been caught out by this so uh, after pay touch when i could have bought that um Held off. Oh, I'll wait for a better time. I'll wait for it to drop because it's just run really hard this this week. Anchoring bias. Yeah, this. anchoring <laughs> bias. And that was had you guys sitting behind me in the in the office, and it was, <laughs> I think it was about six dollars a share or something like that. So um, these sort of things, I think you need to just be proactive, make the decisions, understand. A really good financial plan is not a, a transaction. So it is a it's a process. It's something. It's a journey that you go on. So you're wanting to make sure that you. You're building something that's flexible and can cope with these things. So then that hopefully gives you the confidence to start sooner. Um, and people want to save up and wait. Oh, I'm not going to do it until I've got heaps more money. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to do it until the market drops, which would be a common well, one now. That's a common one we've had for the past three or four years. As well. How's had, that going for the know, people that yeah, are sitting in cash you've, for four years? You've missed out on four years of growth because you've gone, oh, I'm going to wait for it to Pretty terrible to drop growth there. Last year was rubbish. <laughs> Uh, but that's we hear that quite a bit of going. Oh, I'll put it off and I'll wait till the market drops and then then I'll invest. But you end up missing out on. I think all the pretty much all the stats show that if you just um, incre- uh, invest for the long term and hold, that you're a lot um, better off than if you're trying to time the markets. Yeah, and I think that's the thing of compounding works the longer you're in it. So mm. remove that remove that sort of hurdle in front of yourself and just know that there's never a perfect time. And if you can embrace that concept. You're going to be much more successful financially. And look, you might be the person that invests the day before the next financial crisis. Mm. Okay, that's unlucky. But if you keep up the discipline, you haven't you know, um, structured your plan where you've put all your chips in at, in one time, well, that shouldn't be a concern to you because you should be perhaps have dollar cost averaged that in. So you're doing things. So the main thing is get started um, and don't be disheartened by the fact that things don't move really quickly at the start. Generally, the start of your financial plan or the start of your investment or even when you're building your super portfolio as a younger person, it moves at a glacial pace. All the magic happens later, but you've got to get started because unless you get started, that magic doesn't happen towards the end. So um, what do we got? We might wrap it up with one more. So the last one is um, not seeking advice from experts. Is this, um, are you just seeking referrals here? <laughs> Please call Zach Masters. Or- <laughs> 0418. <laughs> um, 
so this one's uh, quite a big one from a lot of the time ego can get in the way for a lot of people and they're going oh I know what got, to do we've got heaps of those in this office yeah. <laughs> in this room <laughs> um, so a lot of people are going oh, I know what to do like I'm not I don't need to talk to other people about this and then end up getting caught out because it mightn't be their area of expertise necessarily so even things um, like nowadays a lot of the time you can go online and research things but are you getting the best advice from um, who's online and that's why it can be well, that's why I got I was going to sack my doctor for WebMD yeah. <laughs> who, who needs an actual medical professional you've got the cancer when you've got the flu after <laughs> jumping on WebMD and searching your symptoms um, I think they all, it seems to be everything ends in cancer on WebMD so. yeah literally <laughs> um, so that's where it becomes important now like especially there's all these websites where you go find your best home loan and different things like that but then you're not necessarily having it structured the best way potentially um, are they discussing things like offset accounts with you and all that type of stuff so in you know getting in touch and interacting with people like brokers lawyers for your estate planning and um, financial advisors for insurances and um, investments and things like that can be definitely worthwhile because you'll get a different point of view and at the end of the day the ultimate decision is always still up to you um, as to whether you choose to go ahead with the, the advice yeah, well but at the least you're getting stops with you um, but what I would say is it doesn't need to always be a professional advisor so sometimes mm. the, the barrier to entry of cost uh, and we've got a problem in Australia of the rising cost of financial advice. Yeah, it becomes out of reach for some, some Sometimes people. legal costs, like all these things. Yeah. You, and you need to actually spend the money before you know if it's right for you in some cases. So, Especially if um, you're getting looking at getting a will done uh, by a lawyer yeah. or something like that. There's no free consultations normally. Yeah, and, and, and you've got to know you've got, got limited funds to um, allocate to all of this stuff. So you've got yeah. to spend it wisely. Um, so a lot of the times it's just like surrounding yourself with a panel of trusted advisors and they don't need to be professional. They might be just successful financial people in your network and it might be family members or friends and that have been through what you've been through mm. um, and then have a chat to them because you can learn from their mistakes and that's a really cost-effective and very, um, how would you say, very efficient way to learn. So you're sort of, you know, fast-tracking your um, financial progress because you're going, okay, that well, that didn't work for two people I've spoken to, maybe that's pr something I can sidestep and steer yeah. clear of. Um, so that'd be a good one because most people will, what do we say, with like out of the five people you know, you're the middle, you're the average or something. So the people that have you know had more success in different areas, and doesn't mean to say they're better people uh, than you, they've just done, experienced things differently or they've been through it already because they've um, been through that phase of their life. Mm. Speak to them, uh, engage them because that might be only cost you lunch, dinner, or a couple of drinks or something like that, or a coffee. Um, but yeah, make the time and invest the time in actually sort of engaging those people and having those frank discussions. And there will be times where you need professional advisors. And you need to see it as not a cost, it's an investment. Yep. It's an investment in your future and it's absolutely worthwhile. Just don't waste the expense. So do your research before you engage someone and commit to it because it is a professional relationship, but it's also probably a personal one that you want to get right and make sure they understand you and they're the right fit definitely so that's a great five i'm pretty pumped about that list so well we might wrap it up there that's a that's a solid five i feel yeah i'm happy with that and people can go away give that a crack see if they can get some learnings there look and if there's something we've left off the list or something that perhaps you've experienced personally you sort of uh, want to get it out there in the podcast world feel free to hit us up on any of our socials send us an email um, and then we'll uh if not we'll see you all next week cheers <laughs>